And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invest in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I am encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. And if you would like to meet the shooter, Ronnie Gossett, in person, you can catch him Sunday, May 23rd from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. as Universal Championship Wrestling presents the NWO Reunion and Road Stories. This will be taking place at Whiskey's, located at 3069 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. Again, that address is 3069 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina, 29687. The event will be hosted by the shooter Ronnie Gossett and myself, Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch. And joining us for the NWO reunion will be two of the biggest names in the history of the New World Order, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner and Buff the Stuff Bagwell. They will be there telling road stories and answering questions from myself, Ronnie Gossett, as well as the audience where there will be a live Q&A session where you guys can ask them any questions that you want. We will answer all your questions. No punches will be pulled. And of course, there will be a special meet and greet before the event where you guys can meet all of us and you can get autographs, pictures, cop some merch. All this great stuff is going down Sunday, May 23rd at Whiskey's. Tickets are $20, and you can purchase them either at Whiskey's. You can go physically to the bar to pick them up. You can get them on eventbrite.com. Just type in UCW NWO Reunion and Road Stories. Or you can purchase them at the official website, www.ucwtv.com. So get your tickets now before they sell out for this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to hear some NWO Reunion and Road Stories.
Hello and welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, uh, we played the song Turn the Beat Around. Love to hear percussion. Yes, and of course, this was by the one and only Gloria Estefan, which was performed during the Super Bowl halftime show in 1999. That also featured Big Bad Voodoo Daddy and Stevie Wonder. And of course, this is my favorite Super Bowl because it was the Super Bowl where my team, the Denver Broncos, demolished the Atlanta Falcons. And I know it's going to get me a lot of heat with the Atlanta people, but I don't care. Didn't care back then. Don't care now. So anyway, I love this because it was a great moment for the Broncos. It was John Elway's uh, last game before he retired. He went out on top like the star he is, MVP of the game. All right, right, Colt Bennett, calm down. Exactly. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, talk about this as well as get into the next pay-per-view that we're going to be doing. It's part of our classic pay-per-view reviews. As you guys know here on the Boochcast, we do classic pay-per-view reviews. What we do is we take a look back, myself and the one and only Gator Ricky Ross. Hello. We take a step back at pay-per-views from the WWE, WCW, and ECW, and we look at them through the perspective of two men who not only love professional wrestling as fans, but also work Within the business. Gator is, of course, a wrestler, a manager, a ring announcer, commentator. He's popped the popcorn, served pizza. He pretty much got the whole thing covered. Uh, me, I am a announcer, a commentator. I've worked in the back. I have set up the ring. I've handled finances. I've chauffeured wrestlers to and from the show. I pretty much got the industry covered. I've even helped set up the ring a few times. So, yeah. what we're doing this week is we're taking a look back at one of the classics. And that is, of course, Super Brawl 9. And we're doing this to commemorate the Super Bowl, which took place this year. But because this particular Super Brawl took place on February 21st, 1999, I wanted to pick a song that took place during the Super Bowl halftime show in 1999. So, this of course is the 9th Super Bowl pay-per-view. It was in Oakland, California at the Oakland Arena. There were 15,880 fans in attendance, and the tagline was, He who wins the belt has the power. The World Heavyweight title. So, he who has the power has the gold. He who has the gold has the power, but who will have all the power? All the one with the gold. Exactly. So, because why the fuck not? Exactly. So, and this was actually historic for me because this was probably, I believe, the first pay per view I ever watched, like live on pay per view. This was my first one ever. And I did it, I begged for it, mostly because of the main event. But anyway, we're going to kick things off here with the first official match of Super Brawl 9, and that is Booker T, one on one against the Disco Inferno. <coughs> Disco fever. Yes. Um. Yeah. This was. I mean, it was what it was. A good little opener. Now this was not full fledged main event Booker yet. So. Yeah, he was basically still trying to get his bearings as a single star. I think because mm-hmm. I think Stevie Ray joined the NWO about this time. So right around, yes, right around. Yeah, and I think that Stevie was trying to convince Booker to join. They were having a conversation, and then Disco got in the middle of it, and that's when a fight broke out, which led to us having a match that lasted nine minutes and nineteen seconds. Um, they took some time to psych up the crowd, which I thought was they good. Did. They worked. They worked the crowd a little bit. It just yeah. was very. It was a standard opener. I mean, that's all it was. Yeah. Disco was posing on the turnbuckle. Booker T clapping his hands. It was a good opening Disco match. Disco was doing your typical babyface shit. Yes. Uh, basic working. That's what it was. Just basic working. It was just basic. It, this is something I would show a young guy and say, this is how you put a match together. Yes. Although I will say, I think Booker stumbled a little bit after a hip toss. 
He did, but again, this is how you put a match together. Yeah. Uh, Disco's taunting abilities are still on point. Love them. Backed it up yes. with a swinging neck breaker at one point. Um, I think the height difference between Booker and Disco caused it's Booker to lose his. Evidence. Yeah, he caused. I think it caused him to lose his footing a couple, a few times. While he was he trying did. to do moves. But he got his bearings back together. He did. Because um, at one point he hits a clothesline. He stumbles to follow up. Uh, Tony mentioned uh, Booker using his arm to block going face first into the steel. And I have to ask the question, is he supposed to mention that? No, not at all. And Good to know. That, and the reasoning behind that is, is because that's how you properly take that. Yeah. But if it's, it, now, the only reason he would mention it, and I wouldn't be upset, is if it was blatantly obvious, which it was blatantly obvious here. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, Disco turned Booker T inside out with a clothesline, which so, shocked the hell out of me. He had to do what he had to do. Yeah, that was a hell of a bump. Oh, yeah. Um, hell of a bump from Disco. I said, good Lord, that bump. Yeah. And then, and then at the end, Booker T wins the match by hitting the Harlem Hangover. And I put in parentheses, why did he ever stop doing that? His knees. Okay, because that's a great fucking move. Loved it. And his then, knees. I mean, honestly, really, to be to be totally, completely honest, his knees. Yeah. So I thought it was a, like I said, it was a decent opening match. Like you said, it was how you put a match. It's a basic. He doesn't, he doesn't do the spinning rooney anymore. Yeah. Well, because he said like, how do you you know put a match together? This is how. This is basically it. It's like basic wrestling. Mm -hmm. So then after we get I mean, through best you can get for what you got exactly uh so on that note we move on to the next match of the evening we have chris jericho with ralphus oh god versus perry saturn oh god ralphus now this is the one where we said ralphus was talking to the ladies uh, you can clearly see it was this the one yes okay yeah yes this is it <clears throat> This is it. This is the one where Ralphus is like, hey, I'm Ralphus. I thought that was during a match with Hugh Morris, though. Uh, maybe it was with Hugh. That was the one. It was with Hugh where he um messed up the moonsaw because the girls were talking to him and gave him flowers. And then Jericho in the back waxed him with the flowers like, you're a fucking idiot. Because Jericho got so mad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but so anyway, and, and now so Ralphus was not paying attention the entire time. Yes. <laughs> now, we should also make clear that in this match, Perry Saturn is wearing a dress. I never understood it. Apparently, it was a stipulation where, where the loser wore a dress, and, and Saturn just kind of took to it. Well, yeah. Well, Saturn also he honors his word. That's what he. Yeah. That's what we established. It was like during the rivalry with Raven, where he said, uh, "I'm going to break your fingers if you don't stop this guy." And Saturn says, "No honoring that." So he put his hand out and said, "Break them," and they broke them. So Saturn established his gimmick of "I honor my word." No matter what. Yes, yes. So, and, it, and he sold the hell out of him. Yes. And then Jericho gets in the ring, and he mocks Saturn wearing the dress. He worked that dress, boy. Now, I will say this, and I put in parentheses, this promo would not fly today with all the trans pride going on in the world. Like, no. if Jericho got a promo like this today, he'd be canceled. He'd have to go to a sensitivity class. Tony Khan would have to make a statement. This would not work today. I'll agree with that. Today, no. This did not age well. No, it did not age well. Sorry, Jericho. You did You did not age well with this promo. Then Saturn gets in the ring, takes the fight well, to Jericho. He, he didn't age well either, so. Well, yeah. Sa then he, then, uh. Look, so, look at his fat ass stomach. <laughs> yeah. So Saturn takes the fight to Jericho. Sends him flying over the guardrail. He hits a double axe handle off the guardrail and then fucks him up right in front of the crowd. Yes. The, they brawl outside for a bit before getting back in the ring. Yes. As we mentioned before, Saturn is a man of honor, which is why he still wears the dress. Yes. 
Some say him wearing a dress makes him look silly. It does not. I disagree because he's still kicking ass. It, it does not make him look silly because if anybody else had done it with his his original look, if anybody else had done it, it wouldn't have made sense. But he did it, and he turned it into his, his damn gimmick from there on. And it worked. That's the thing. It worked. So now the only one who looks silly is Ralphus, but he's a manager, so he's supposed to. Well, he's just... He's just Ralphus. Exactly. So, Ralph is the only one that looks silly in a dress, but he's a manager, so he's supposed to look silly. Mm-hmm. So, Saturn at one point ripped off the dress and he ran and he ran back to the back. He did. Saturn tripped up, ripped off the dress of uh, I should say Ralphus, and he ran to the back. Yeah, because Ralphus was wearing Ralphus was wearing a dress at this point too, and it made no sense. It didn't. Saturn tripped up Jericho and slammed his face into the canvas during during a cocky pin. Jericho does some stupid spin move off the top rope. What the hell was that? Tope Sovacita. Okay. Uh, Saturn signals for the Death Valley driver, but Jericho catches him a roll up and puts his feet on the ropes. And I put in parentheses should have been the finish. That should have been. That they should have ended it right there. That was it. A beautiful lion tamer pin counter at one point. He hits a perfect lion salt, which is better than the one he did a few weeks back on AEW. <laughs> he, he doesn't look in shape to do a fucking lion salt now. Yeah, he tried to and he failed miserably. But in this pay per view, he hits it flawlessly. At yep. S- Saturn hits a Death Valley driver on Jericho. Can we just say Jericho's been doing this shit for years? Yes. This stupid shit. I'm not wrestling. Yeah. So Saturn hits. Well, the Lion Salt wasn't really stupid back then either. No, but you know what I mean. Yes. Saturn hits Death Valley driver on Jericho, and Scott Dickinson, the referee of the match, who's potentially in Jericho's back pocket, uh, apparently doesn't do anything. Uh, Saturn then walks away, saying, "Life's a drag." No. <laughs> Which I thought was funny as hell. Yes, somebody call RuPaul. Yeah, so Scott Dickinson ruled the match a count out, but nobody counted. Psychology. Am am I the only one who caught this? Say it with me, children. Psychology. For fuck's sake, it's a count out. The ref never counted. Again, say (laughs) it with me, children. What the fuck? Hold on, Vinny, calm down. Say it with me, children. Psychology. Scott Dickinson should have been smacked around in the back for that. He probably was. Jesus Christ. Should have been a DQ at least. He would be if I was working because I would have fucked him up. I would have fucked him up. That was bad. That was so bad. I would have fucked him up like Paul Heyman fucked up that referee. <laughs> yep. At so the if, Royal Rumble. Yep. So anyway. Uh, By the way, have you ever seen that referee again since the Royal Rumble? Because I watched both Raw and SmackDown this week and NXT. Yeah, I guess he's not there. Life's a drag. Yep. Maybe they put him back in referee school. He might be back on the Performance Center. Yeah. And they got to have like the, the, the senior rest, maybe Charles Robinson out there kind of. Yeah, Charlie. Smarten him up. But, Charlie Cobb. Yes. So anyway, we move on now to the next match of the evening. We have, for the Cruiserweight Championship, Billy Kidman defends the title against Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chavo Guerrero? Yep. Not Chavo Guerrero. He lies. He cheats. He steals. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, this was, oh boy. Do you want to say it or shall I? You go ahead. Okay. God damn it, Hoobie. Um, and you know what I'm talking about. Hoovy wasn't in this match. Cut the cut the thing real quick. Okay. I'm sorry. I have the I have something else on in the background. A Hoovy just fucked. Oh. Okay. So anyway, we will go back to this. Okay. So Billy Kidman defends the title against Chavo Guerrero Jr. This was now. This was done well. This was because Chavo well, Chavo's got family ties back to the business and like back to 1930s and the Guerreros have been together. So you know. I, 
this was not bad. And Kidman was underrated back then. He really was. And um, now, of course, the storyline behind this was they were tag team partners, but they split up after being eliminated from the tag team title tournament. And I got to say, this is the first time I've seen the babyface lie in a handshake. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Um, Now, I will say this cruiserweight match was more of a brawl, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Which is which was different from your traditional cruiserweight flippy bullshit. Yeah. I mean, they had a few high spots here and there, but they didn't overdo it. Everything was very well placed. Yeah. So, I thought that was what was well done. It was it was it was but yeah, and it lasted 8 minutes and 26 seconds, but it it made the point and told the story and Billy Kidman of course got the win and held on to the cruiserweight title. So Because because psychology. Yeah. It just everything made sense in this match. It was a. It's one of the few cruiserweight matches you can honestly look at and go, "This is worth seeing." Mm-hmm. And on that note, this one and the ladder match. Ladder match. Well, no, this one and there was a ladder match between Eddie Guerrero and um fucking I don't know what they called him back then, but X Pop Six. Yeah, Six. Yeah. Okay. And sold out, which we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. But but that that was probably the second. I mean, between the two of those, there are two cruiserweight matches worth watching. Absolutely. And so now we let move on to the next match of the evening, which is the finals of the WCW World Tag Team Title Tournament. It is a two out of three falls match. Uh, we have kind. Kurt Henning and Barry Windham versus Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. How did you feel about this? Um, here's my issue with it. I, I, the match itself, I thought was great. The overall, yeah, ter- the overall tournament, I thought was fucking stupid. The, the whole overall, double the elimination bullshit. Yeah. And it's like, because technically, apparently, Kerr Henning and Barry Windham got their first fall on Benoit Malenko on an episode of fucking Nitro. Yes. That's why I said, you said two out of three falls, and I said, kind of. Yeah, I'm just saying, that's what they were billing it as. Yeah, but it wasn't really a two out of three falls match. It was just a two out of three falls match for one team. Exactly. So it's not really a two out of three falls match. Oh, it's not at all. I mean, it's a, it's, they tried to market it that way, but it didn't work. It's a, it's bullshit. Um... Exactly. I thought Benoit killed it. Um, yes. Really. Honestly, I thought he did. Because yeah. it was just it was just well done the way he worked with Malenko, even though they don't like each other. They don't like each other? Back then, they had their issues, yes. I thought all four of them got along. Like, the two of them, Guerrero and Jericho. I thought they were all somewhat. friends. Okay. They were all, they were all somewhat close, yeah. Yeah, so I guess, I don't know, whatever issues they were having. Uh, so anyway, I thought it was a great tag team match. The first fall had amazing back-and-forth action, you know, basic wrestling and working. All four of these guys are great at that. Um, all four men, because here's the thing, all four, all four of these men are awesome technical wrestlers who look believable as badasses. I'll agree with that. That's what I liked about it. Dean Malenko made a comeback, and it looked like some teeth flew out of Barry Windham's mouth. Did you notice that? That was, okay, that was, that was an old gimmick with the gum. Oh, Okay. Um. Yeah. Wait. So they were chewing gum in the ring. Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> yeah, you can. Um. Although in UCW we ban that. I can understand why, but you because, can also make. It well, the reason like- I say that is because at one point during a match, me and the referee, we were we were in the ring. So I, was, I was announcing the next match. Mm-hmm. And it was a transition period, and one of us and the referee looked down and noticed whoever was chewing gum in the ring had spat it out in the ring, and it was in the fucking ring. Oh god! And we had to spend some time scraping that shit out with like. I, now, thankfully, it was it was at the fair show, so I had my good shoe. I had like shoes on that I didn't care got fucked up or not. So kind of using my foot, we're kind of scraping this shit off the fucking mat and trying to throw it out in the grass or some shit. But yeah, so that's why we made it clear. 
no more gum in the ring. Because, you know, and the reason is because, because once again, something happened in wrestling that the new generation fucked up. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say that every time. I don't care if they hate me. Fuck that. Um, they're going to be nice to me because I'm the one that has to put you over on the mic. So anyway. Um, yeah, they got to be nice to you on that one. Oh, yeah. So um, so anyway, so, so it looked like it threw out of Wyndham's mouth. So it was gum. Nice to know that. So Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko score the fall when Dean locks Barry in the Texas Cloverleaf. Which always looks good when Dean does it. Yes, Dean is a hell of a fucking submission specialist. I will always agree with that. Yeah. Now, Kurt Hunting and Barry Windham score the deciding fall when Barry wrapped a normal belt around Dean's neck and pinned him. Now, the ref couldn't see the belt around his neck or that he was being choked because he's a good referee. And yeah, this ref didn't Finish. see that. Vinny's still, Vinny's still upset from the last pay-per-view review we did, people. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I am. He's, I uh, he's, a, he's a little upset, but it's okay, Vinny. Calm down. I'm calm. I'm very I calm. Can deal with, if I can deal with it, you can deal with it. I, I think I'm behaving. I'm doing a good job. Um, so anyway, like I said, the first fall took place during the tournament on Nitro, and that's why this is a double elimination tournament. So in the end, Kerr Henning and Barry Windham are now the official World Tag Team Champions. And they're going to hold on to those belts for quite a while. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening, uh, which was another. This was one of the motivating factors for me wanting to order this pay-per-view as a kid. The main event was one reason. This was the other one because I was dying to see this match. And that is a hair versus mask match. The Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall with Lex Luger and Miss Elizabeth versus Conan and Rey Mysterio Jr. Now, before I let Gator give his thoughts on this match, I'm going to give a little context here. Lex Luger was supposed to be in this match, but due to a bicep injury, Scott Hall replaced him. Yes. Now, Rey Mis- now the reason it was a mask with hair match was because Rey Mysterio's mask was on the line. Basically, if they lost, Rey had to remove his mask. Which they did. And Miss Elizabeth's hair was on the line. So if they won, Miss Elizabeth was going to be shaved bald. Yes, and everybody wanted to see that cunt bald. So anyway. Yes. Um, so here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I think a lot of people want to see Miss Elizabeth bald, but I also think a lot of people were curious what Ray looked like under the mask. Or Gator just really wanted to see Elizabeth bald because when you're a hoe, you're a hoe. <laughs> That is true, cause uh. And then, and then I wanted to be able to ask her if the carpets match the drapes. <laughs> Unfortunately, Lex is the only one that can answer that question. Mach. Macho's not alive. Well, I can get a Ouija board. Yeah, let's not get the Ouija board, okay? Hang on a minute. All right, you do, you do, you. All right, you finish this. I'm gonna get the Ouija board. Hang on. All right. So anyway, um, Rey Mysterio at first uh didn't want to lose the mask. When they when they discussed this backstage, Ray was very much against it, but eventually he agreed to do it. Now, the reason he agreed to take the mask off was because he knew it would give him a chance to work with the outsiders and be involved in a big money payday. Because whether you love or hate Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, they were top guys in WCW. Agreed. So Ray wanted the chance to work with the top guys and knew taking his mask off would give him that push. So he's like, I don't need it that badly. I'm tired of doing mid-card shit. So, oh, macho man, lend me your ears. Did Miss Elizabeth have a bald vagina? Hang on, it's moving, moving. Hold on, Miss Bedrella, I hear something in my ear. Let me tell you something, brother. That thing was like a garden. She let it grow. 
Okay, well, thank you, Macho Man. Excuse me, but I don't know who that imposter is that's stealing gimmicks, yeah. But this is the real Macho Macho Man Randy Savage, and I'm here to tell you I did have to do quite a bit of excavating to get to the promised land. But thankfully, I had a machete that was more than willing to cut through the ashes, yeah. I... I cut, I cut through the, I cut through the forest. One, two, three, guaranteed victory. I'm done. <laughs> so anyway. I'm done. So, but anyway, thanks, Macho, for that. But anyway, so, like I said I'm before, done. now, like I said, he didn't want to stay on the bottom, so he's willing to give being maskless a shot. So You know what's funny? Neither did Elizabeth. That's why she got with that Alex. Exactly. So anyway, um, so, uh, Anyway, Rey Mysterio uses the NWO taunt with the wiggling of the fingers, which I thought was awesome. Hey, that sounds like what happened with Elizabeth. Okay, are we done talking about Elizabeth now? Hang on a minute, we they were wiggling the fingers. Yeah, like when Scott goes, ooh, that thing that, that all the fucking baby faces hated with a passion. Yes. It pissed off everybody. Even even Hogan, who was on their team, fucking hated them doing that. You know? So it was nice to see Rey Mysterio turning around on Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. So it had it had kayfabe symbolism, but also real symbolism, because a lot of baby faces were getting pissed off, and every time they're cutting their promo and they go, ooh. Fucking hated it. So anyway, um <laughs> But yeah. So Scott starts flexing how strong he is by tossing Ray during the collar and elbow tie-ups, which I thought was great. Yeah, he sold the shit out of that. Great way to get heat. Um, Ray showing he is not going to tolerate the bullying, which is why I like the wiggling of the fingers. It's like, look, I'm not stronger than these guys, but I'm not going to let them push me around. So bring it on, motherfucker. I'll take the beating, motherfucker. I like that. <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, God, so I don't know why you sounded like corny when you said that, but anyway. <laughs> I think it's because I've I've seen a lot of his I I I listen to a lot, I see a lot of the YouTube clips of his podcast I listen quite a bit. Yes, uh, I know you do, and for some reason you don't agree with things. But anyway, the, some I agree with, some I don't. I don't agree with everything he says, but I don't either. But ninety five percent of it. Yeah, ninety five percent of it. So outsiders. I'm, no, I'm about ninety ninety five somewhere around there. And what I also liked about this match was that the outsiders sold just enough to show Ray was standing up for himself, but not enough that it looked fake. Yes, exactly. And that's why it made sense. Yeah. They gave him a little bit. Just enough to show, hey, he's standing up for himself, but we're not going to do stupid shit. But we'll give him enough. And they knew that. So anyway, the hot we're tag... We're not going to kill the business. Now, the hot tag to Conan woke up what was up to that point a pretty boring match. Things got boring Agreed. after a while. Agreed. Because well, Conan's got this ability to just fucking... Yeah take over really oh yeah so now like i said there was great storytelling throughout but the story does get a little boring after a while so ray used kevin for poetry and motion which i thought was great uh oh, wow. the double team with conan allowed ray to get aerial lit to do the 10 punches on nash so again we're seeing believability uh scott sort of went to his knees during the outsider's edge to make sure ray didn't get hurt too bad at least is what i think uh, that's basically what happened yeah because he never, because he, I had to rewatch, rewind that a couple times. I noticed he drops to his knees before he hits the outsider's edge to kind of like, I'm not gonna slam Ray from this high up because he didn't want to hurt him. So, and I remember being amped up for the reveal and being shocked when Ray took the mask off because back then no one knew what he looked like. And even today, unless you go on the internet, when Ray Mysterio, because this is how how much the internet wasn't as powerful, but also how much people were like on teams back then with WCW and WWE. When Ray showed up in 2002, 
to the WWE. Not only did he have the mask back on, but the majority of WWE fans still didn't know what he looked like without the mask. I knew because I was a WCW guy, at least for a few more months. But I was there, like, when that mask came off, it was like, holy shit. And he sold how mad he was when he took the mask off. And, of course, Scott and Kevin are pretending he looks ugly and trying to beg him to put the mask back on. They're being dicks, which is their gimmick. It's their gimmick. It's their but gimmick. Here's my I'm a, here's the actual opinion. I think he looked better without the mask. I disagree. I really thought he looked better without it. I disagree. Why I disagree, disagree completely. Why you disagree? Because that was his gimmick. I mean, that was his uncle's mask that was passed down. Like, no. The fuck that. It didn't need to be done. Just like it still didn't. It doesn't need to be done again today. Oh, let's take the mask off of Ray. Like, no, just, y'all. Oh, God. Well, well, now they do it just to get heat. They're not going to actually put him in a mask where, in a match where he has to take it off permanently. Yeah. And he doesn't need to anymore. Because now we got the internet. You can see what someone looks like without their mask on. You can find a picture of anybody without their mask on nowadays. Literally not exactly, but okay. Pretty much everybody. Like not everybody. You ain't you can't find a you can't find a picture of the masked stranger without his mask on. Is that a challenge? You know who the masked stranger is, right? Oh, I know who the masked stranger is. Okay. You can't find a picture of him without his mask on. Actually, I can. Depending on which masked stranger we're talking about, I got both of them. Fuck you. I got both of them. Or, or to quote one of my favorite guys on the internet, I'll say it like this. I have both of them. Both of them. So anyway. Uh, You're an asshole. But anyway, go ahead. So anyway, we get, we get through this match. It was phenomenal. One of my favorite moments of the night. And then we move on to another match of the evening that was, oh my God, so personal. So personal. But so well done. For the World Television Championship, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner defends the title against Diamond Dallas Page. This was very personal. This was this was one of my favorites, actually. Oh, really? Um, I yeah, I enjoyed this because it, it told a good story. It really did. It told a good story. Yeah. Um, although I will say this, there were two things I noticed during this match, uh, or before it started, and I want to say this. At one point, they were doing camera shots in the crowd throughout the pay per view. At one point, I gotta ask you this: Did did one of the did, didn't one of the ladies in the crowd look like Meryl Streep? I I don't know. I don't remember that. But uh, I, I just say I, I, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. Saying saying it was Meryl Streep, but the bitch looked like Meryl Streep. I'll take your word for it. Fuck. Okay. I noticed that. Also, now, ladies and gentlemen, this is probably going to be one of Gator's favorite moments because, as you guys know, Gator likes to make a lot of jokes about certain people in the business. <laughs> well, Bobby Heenan takes it to levels I don't think Gator even thought of yet. No. <laughs> because Bobby Heenan... When talking about Kimberly, oh God. starts making he makes TV dinner jokes over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. What the fuck, Bobby? Hey, at least he didn't do the obvious one. Yeah, but he was saying like he and talk about and talk about and talk about her. You know how she likes to travel. You know mainly by train. Woo -woo. Wait, Kimberly? Yes, mainly by ice train. Woo -woo. Ice train? What? Yes. Wait, what? Yes. Wait, wait. Yes. Ice train. Who the hell was I? Big no. old black dude. What the? F what? Yes. Really? Big old black dude. Kimberly Kimberly hooked up with Ice Train? I don't even remember yes. this guy. Multiple times. I heard that the other day on um Tony Schiavone's podcast. Okay, well then, hope, I assume this is before her and Dallas got married. No. Wait, it was while they were married? Yes. And Dallas didn't know about this? Yes, she's a bit of a hoe. Oh my god, that is fucked up. 
That is fucked up. It ain't that fucked up. But anyway, so we have all this happening. So, and then of course Scott Steiner comes out to the ring, and um, he brings a female. Are you done? Hang on, I got one more. She likes the ice train, baby, baby. Okay, are you finished? Yes. Can we talk about the match now? Yes. Thank you. So. Scott Steiner comes out to the ring. He brings a female fan into the ring that was feeling all over him in the crowd. To this day, I still don't know if she was a plant or an actual fan that Scott just said, fuck it, I'm bringing her in the ring. I think he just said, fuck it. Because that's not something they would do in WCW. The girl is smoking hot and almost gave me a hard-on, which is something you don't want to have during a wrestling match involving dudes. Well, it happens. So I kind of had to pause the pay-per-view, go to Pornhub for a few minutes, and then come back. It happens. Now... This match, baby, baby. Yes, this match was a physical, emotional brawl on both sides. Yes. DDP dominated the early going. Steiner got brief moments of the upper hand, but DDP maintained the dominance throughout. Yes. Now, of course, Buff Bagwell eventually shows up to help Steiner. <laughs> DDP says, let them both in, so the ref approves it. So the ref's not so, fucking up here. So, so question. What? So question. You think that girl paid full price when she saw Buff and his stuff? What girl? The girl that Scott brought in the ring. Well, she well she went back to her seat after after the, after the match started. Yes, I know. I'm just I'm just riffing here. Oh, uh, probably not. But anyway, so God damn it. DDP da- DDP dares to let them I've both in, his, and the I've ref seen approves his penis it. The other day. Yes, I know. You've told me already. Yes, he's got a teeny weeny peeny. I didn't need to know that. I'm just telling you. I can go the whole rest of my life without ever knowing that ever. Oh, oh, it's not. <laughs> It's it's not that great. I know why Sherry's a bitch now. Yeah. Um, it's not that big. Um, so DDP said, let them both in, so the ref approved it, and Dallas took out both of them. I have seen the videos. Anyway. Are we done? So, anyway, so Dallas, keep DDP, going. DDP said, let them both in, so the ref approves it, which is good. So the ref's not burying anything here. He's actually allowing no. it. So Dallas right. took out both of them. DDP rolls up Steiner, and we see his ass during the roll-up. Um, yeah, that was – I could have gone without that. Yeah. Charles catches Buff removing the turnbuckle pads and throws him out. And this – now, I will say in this match, this was the first time for me personally that I ever saw Steiner do the Frankensteiner. <laughs> so I was kind of – that was kind of like a what the fuck? Because I never – I only saw the cruiserweights doing shit like that. I had never seen Steiner do it. Right. So at, at that time, as a kid. So I was like, what the fuck? That was so cool. So anyway, uh, DDP does this move called the Diamond Dream, which is a float over DDT. Um, and, after, and after seeing Steiner hit multiple back shots to the exposed turnbuckle, it's no wonder DDP injured his back and needed DDP yoga. I can start <laughs> seeing how the back injuries are coming up because they that looked like it hurt like a motherfucker. <laughs> Well, it didn't start hurting from Kimberly. Well, and obviously, and obviously, since every time Big Papa Punk comes to town, all his hooches come around. So no. that wait explains. a minute. So Steiner's, wait used a minute. To, so Steiner's used to doing back shots. So anyway, wait um, a minute. What? God damn it. What? All the hooches come to town. I like that. Yeah, he said when Big Papa Punk comes to town, all my hooches come around. That's what he says every time. So I said Steiner's used to doing back shots. So eventually, DDP DDP passes out due to the Steiner recliner, but he did not tap out and was also carried out on a stretcher when it was all over. I mean, it was was a good story. Like I said, um, told a great story. Uh, The only thing that I did not like was the fact that there was no mention of his Shonies. I don't think he had the Shonies back then, did he? I don't know. And I don't think he has one anymore. I think it went out of business. That... 
The Shonies is gone? I think it's gone. I think COVID did something about it, I think. Not the Shonies? Again, I don't know. I just heard rumors, so don't call Manny, me not the Shonies. No. Oh, no. The Shonies? Yes, the Shonies is gone. I mean, <laughs> all right. So anyway, um. Oh. Are you done? It hurts. Out of respect for the Shonies, we will now have a moment of silence. That's enough. Go ahead. Do you have anything productive to say about this match at all? I've said told a good story. All right. So anyway, on that note, we're going to move what on. What else do you want me to say? I don't know, but you're too busy going off topic talking about a fucking Shonies. The Shonies is gone. I don't give a fuck. I never ate there. So anyway. What? And you live in Georgia. Yeah, I only went there one time, and that was to give a promotional poster for Steiner to hang up in the Shonies because we were going to be in Cobb County for a show that you he was eat? in the main event of. You didn't eat in the Shonies? No, I didn't have time to. You're an idiot. Moving on. I didn't have time to get food at Shoney's. I was on the fucking road. So anyway, moving on. Yes. We're moving on to the next match of the evening for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Rowdy Roddy Piper defends the title against Scott Hall. Rip Shoney's. Anyway, this was uh, a clusterfuck. <laughs> Scott, Scott's doing double duty. Yeah. Which makes you go, why? I think because Lex was injured and they needed somebody there. Plus, it was a tag match, so Scott didn't have to do much. He could well, deserve yeah, his but, for this match. But still, it makes you go, just why? Because because here's the thing. Scott Hall was never known for being the one that could do a shit ton. Really? Not 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 a, 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 a lot, lot. I mean, he got by. Yeah, and uh, like Roddy Piper here does some uh, boxing-type punches. Uh, it, yes, no, those were done well. This was this was not bad. It was not bad at all. Yeah, there's lots of taunting and brawling during this match. Both men love to break the rules. Um, yes, I mean, you didn't know who the baby was or the heel. Yeah, Piper pulls Scott's hair and then messes up Disco's hair before um, knocking him off the apron because Disco Inferno did accompany Scott Hall to the ring. Yes, I don't know why. Because he's in the Wolfpack. Um, just, love... Uh... I, I love the abdominal stretch with the assistance from Disco that the ref can't see. I thought that was very well done. Yeah. I will say there was a lot of, there was too much Wolfpack interference, I believe. For God's sake, yes. Good Lord. It was, it was like watching an ECW pay-per-view. Yeah. Scott, we'll get to that. <laughs> yes, we're going to get to those. They're coming soon. Uh, Scott Hall um, rolls him up and puts his feet on the ropes. Uh, Kevin Nash interfered to help out Scott, but Piper attacked him. Disco distracted the ref, and Scott attacked Piper. Um, oh after the match, Disco tries to play tug-of-war with Piper for the belt. Piper eventually drops it when Nash gets on the apron, and Piper fights off the Wolfpack and escapes, as Scott Hall is now the new United States champion. Boy, this was this was just a lot because, like Vinny said, there was so many interferences in it that it takes you out of it. It did, yeah. Like this was, and it does. It was a bit much. It, so it will, really takes you out. Yeah. Yeah. This match was not that exciting, but no. anyway. On that note, we're gonna move on to the next match of the evening. Uh, this was one that a lot of people wanted to see. I was just as intrigued as a kid. We had Goldberg versus Bam Bam Bigelow. This, well, we knew it wasn't going to be long anyway. Well, it was 11 minutes Dude. and 39 seconds, so it was longer than people thought it would be. Yes, but I, we we thought it was going to go, we thought it was not going to go very long to begin with. Yeah. Which made you go, oh, well, this is going to be a squash. But it, they, they did they did some good work. They did, It was a typical big hoss match, really. Yeah. And then, of course, it was an epic. We see an epic stare down between two badass motherfuckers at the start of this. Yes, and that was that makes you go whoa. 
Yeah. And then Goldberg at one point catches him in midair and does uh, the world's strongest slam. And that's the only, because I don't know the other, I don't know the indie term for it. So that's what we're going to call it. Um, then we see, <laughs> then we see a shoulder block, a fireman's carry, a cross arm breaker, and a drop kick. So to those people that think Goldberg only knows this many moves, I'm adding more to the list, motherfuckers. Um, Agreed. I can give you that. Yeah. So eventually Bam Bam drags Goldberg out of the ring after elbow drops to the groin. Pretty groin! And slamming his legs on the apron. Um, he slams him on the ring steps and starts to dominate the match. And this is right around the time when Goldberg's streak had already ended. So Goldberg's doing a lot more selling this go around. Yes. Which is different for him because it's like, oh. Yes. But so it's weird to see Goldberg on the defense. But again, after the streak ending, it makes sense. But Goldberg, I think, sold very well. I think. Yeah, I'll give him that. Uh, Goldberg eventually pulls him off the ropes as he goes for the moonsault. Bigelow. Uh, he goes yeah. for a spear. Bigelow rolls out of the ring, but Goldberg stopped himself before he went in the turnbuckle, which I thought was good. He did. And, you know, it could have been way worse than it was. Yeah. And then eventually after this, uh, Goldberg hits two spears and a quick jackhammer, gets the and three count, it, and Goldberg yeah. wins. Yes, yes. So. God, my knees. Right? Yeah, I'm good. My back. Uh, so we're still. I'm still dealing with fans. Just side note. We're we're still recording in the same little thing. So I'm still dealing with my back and you know supposedly bruised ribs. Yeah, and um, and I'm gonna be honest. I got kind of a ear, nose, and throat situation going on during these last couple tapings. So. Oh uh, God, Vinny's got ear, nose, and throat. I'm out. Dude, I'm on strike. You're on the phone. You can't catch I'm anything. I'm on strike. You can catch it through the phone. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. I'm getting the Clorox. Get the cloths. I don't give a fuck. You're fine. I'm getting the Clorox. All right. Besides, if you can catch something through the phone, you would have caught it by now with all the phone calls you give me. Fuck you. You'd have been sick already. Fuck you. Because <laughs> I have not called you that many times. Lately. Lately. I'm talking about in general. Well, you can, again, fuck you. I don't care. Anyway, so on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to move on to the main event of the evening. For the WCW, for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, Hollywood Hogan defends the title against the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, for like the umpteenth time. Yes, it, it, I, it, I'm it, so it, tired it, of seeing this match now because we've done already covered it once. Well, yes, but we that was their first encounter ever, so it was special. It's not real special right now. No, it's not, and it's and it and it didn't do anything. They're both way past their prime here. It just it, to me, this was a clusterfuck because they're so both so far past their prime that it makes you go, "Who thought this was a good idea?" Other than to use the name power. Yes. Well, apparently at this time, Flair was like the temporary like president of WCW at the time. Yes, which made no sense. Um, why are we gonna use the temporary president? Well. Here's, here's what happened. So the reason I thought this match was, even though we'd seen this match multiple times, in this particular case, I still think it was special, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because for the first time in their whole rivalry, Hogan is the heel and Flair is the babyface. So I okay. think that makes it that makes it different than their previous encounters. I disagree because it's still the same two workers. I mean, yes, okay, maybe it's a little different. Yeah. Because it was but, because it was special I, in that regard. Now, Flair made himself the number one contender because they attacked his son on Nitro. So Flair wasn't going to do that till they attacked David Flair. Then Rick put himself in this match to get revenge on Hogan. Yeah, and he wanted to take away the one thing that Hogan was so attached to, which I understand. But 
I, I don't know. I didn't enjoy now, this. Now, I will say... It was, not a, it was not a huge, big main event that I was like, oh, God, I have to see this. I've got my dick in my hand. Let's go. You know? <laughs> now, I will say there were cases where the match was still the same style, but with a few changes. Um, well, it's going to be it's gonna be a slowed-down, you know, situation. Yeah, because these guys are big on psychology. and Not just that. They're old. Yeah. But So, Hogan dominated Flair for a good chunk of the match. Um, one change is that when is that when Flair attacks, Hogan sells more because he's a heel. So that's one big change here that you got to notice. Uh, Hogan hits Flair with the chair. Now, once again, we have a we have a situation. Oh God! Hogan hits Flair with the chair in plain sight of the referee. Oh boy! Here comes children. Be ready. Now, the reason I say this is because this match was not established as a no DQ. Be ready. So fuck the ref. Anyway. Um, and then, of course, after this, Ric Flair is bleeding. And in parentheses, heard I of, put, You've heard shocker. of fuck that bump. This is fuck that ref. Yes. And, of course, after the chair shot, Flair is bleeding. Shocker. Um, not really, but okay. Yeah. Not really a shocker. He's bleeding, but go ahead. Yeah. It, it, was, it was sarcastic. Oh. Oh. You really didn't catch that I was being a smartass? No, because sometimes it's hard for me to catch when you're being a smartass because you're just an overall dick. You're one to talk. Uh, and so You he... can't catch when I'm a smartass, so fuck you. All right. So anyway, he whips Flair in the face with the, wit- with the weightlifting belt. I said, what the fuck? Yeah, that was, uh, that was rough. That was, that was rough. Like, I remember, like, I know usually you whip them in the back. That's standard. He got Flair in the fucking face. I was like, what the hell? The fuck was that, dude? That is... Oh, man. I can see Flair being mad about that one. Um, So, at one point, Hogan almost hulks up with some chops, but then Flair dotted the eyes and hit a couple low blows and took care of it. Low blow! Now, it made him look like a face because of all the cheating the Wolfpack does. Correct. Um, So, even though Ric Flair was still dotting the eyes and the low blows and doing heel shit, because the Wolfpack interferes so much, Flair still looks like a babyface. Um... Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Tory Wilson gets in the ring, slaps Ric Flair a couple times for reasons not explained. No, but no, but it's a woman slapping Ric Flair. That's believable. Yes. Oh, that's totally <laughs> believable. That is totally believable. Especially when he claims to have conquered ten thousand women in his life. Oh yeah. Ric Flair gets knocked out. Oh no, the ref gets knocked out. That's called bullshit. <laughs> Oh, oh, everyone's calling bullshit on that number. Um, I know. The ref gets knocked out, so Hogan drops some elbows to keep the ref knocked out. I don't know why, because they've been cheating in plain sight of the ref all fucking night, so I don't know why it's needed here. But I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. But just want to throw that out there. Let people aware of the fact easy, that now, easy, now, now, now we want the ref to be incapacitated. Easy boots. Down boots. Down. I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. If I can't get pissy... You know what? You know what? can't get pissy. Tell you what. Tell you what. I'll put myself in the basket. I'm going to the basket. Oh, children! I'm in the basket. I now see why this is uncomfortable. Um, Yeah, fuck you for putting me in there. Yeah. All right. So anyway, a masked man comes out and hits the, and stun guns Flare. While yeah, he had you Hogan, do that shit from the basket. While he had Hogan in a figure four, and then Hogan eventually pins him for the win. Now there, are, now of course the Wolfpack's celebrating. Tori Wilson is kissing the masked man. 
We take the ma- she takes the mask off, and we find out it's David Flair. Rick Flair's son. son joined the Wolf Pack to be with Terry and Wilson. and it's and to say it started with his own son. Exactly. Please tell me you know where that reference comes from. Ready to rumble. Thank you, Jesus. Ready to rumble. Yep. So David Flair joins the Wolf Pack, and he's doing the too sweet to Hogan and the too sweet to Nash. And then he starts. He's still and he hits and he's still lighting up the stun gun, kind of strutting around to the Wolf Pack. And, and if he had been a better worker, it would have been okay. Yeah, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it turns out the nepotism of the Flair family goes very far back. It does, children. It yes. does. It happened in the '90s, just as much as it happens today. David Flair being handed a spotlight on a silver platter. Glad that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Oh, seems, seems to be the thing if your last name is Flair. Just saying. Easy, Bucci. Easy, Bucci. But down. I'm down. I'm down. I'm good. So we see this big so We have the celebration. David Flair walks to the back. Rick is obviously, you know, heartbroken because, you know, David Flair is now joining the NWO. And... That can, and that wraps up the pay-per-view. Frankie! What? Frankie! <laughs> what are you doing, son? Paying you back! Which didn't make any sense, because he was trying to win a million dollars to get you a damn good dentist. Yeah, but he did the turn black and fall in the cripper. You know you know why that, that makes sense, right? No, not, not the least bit. I'm going to tell you why it made sense his son attacked him. His son probably got paid. Probably got paid lucratively. Okay. Well, I hope it's more. I hope it was more than a million dollars. Probably lucratively. Cause if it's less than a million dollars, then that was stupid. Cause your dad's about to win a million dollars. So they should have gave him at least two. I'm gonna fix that goddamn grill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get that belt back. I'm gonna win a million dollars. I'm gonna pay off all my debts. I'm gonna do the right thing by you. And God, I'm gonna get that boy a damn good dentist. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude uh, Super Brawl 9. Uh, like I said, this was the first ever wrestling pay-per-view I ever watched. And... Side, side, side note, Ready to Rumble coming to Gator Ruins Your Childhood real soon. Yes, we're definitely going to work on that. So, uh, And, of course, Gator, as always, I appreciate you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me for this recap and for keeping me in check. And um, I look forward to uh, seeing you on the next one. Yes. Yes. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this first half of the Boochcast. Uh, make sure you guys jump on over to part two, where we will be covering the Wednesday Night Wars here on the Boochcast. Elvis Zelinski and Desmond Dagenhart will have your recap of AEW, and myself and John Tumlin will have your recap of NXT here on the Boochcast. So you guys, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms. Support the show through Patreon. And make sure you check out part two. Buy a fucking t-shirt. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet.